Welcome in to the first episode of Pope's Fantasy Football Hour. It's May 2nd, and it's month two of quarantine. Yes, two months of being locked in our houses. With that, I decided to start a podcast. Is it crazy? Most definitely. But hey, I'm here for it. I'd like to give you guys a little background on myself. My name's Jeremy. Nickname's Pope. Located in Buffalo, New York. Um, Hashtag Go Bills. And yes, Tennessee, it was a forward lateral. And yes, being a Bills fan has had its heartbreaks through the years. But also with that, I've learned to just enjoy the NFL. The NFL is a great platform. It's the greatest in the world for American football. And yes, they've taken that to a new level. They have created fantasy football. Fantasy football has been around for years. And I've played it for many. And I've played all platforms. Best ball, redraft, and dynasty. Personally, dynasty is my favorite. I'll probably talk mostly on that on this podcast. However, I won't leave it limited to that. Allowing every audience to get what they need, whether they need information on redraft, best ball, or dynasty. And that's what I'm here for. I'm here for you guys. I want to give what I've learned from the years of playing dynasty football and what I constantly am learning from watching film and studying statistics, looking at rankings, and making just that gut decision of this is my guy, let's take him, and let's do it. And I think that's all that I want. I just want to be able to give the information that I feel and need to give to you guys. And hopefully you guys can take that information and be a perennial fantasy football champion in your leagues. With that being said, I'd like to jump in to this first episode here. Um, On this episode, I'm going to talk about kind of a post-draft wrap-up. I'm going to start... In divisions, I'm going to start with the AFC North this week. Um, I'll go through their roster, kind of, and give you some of the rookies they added and the fantasy input, um, basically for their offensive positions for now. Before we dive into the AFC North, I'm going to hit you guys with a couple breaking news, kind of. News and notes here for the first week post-NFL draft. Not too much has really happened, um... Gronk signed before the draft, so most of you probably know about his uh, landing in Tampa Bay. But I'm going to let you know, obviously, if you watch the draft, Matt Breda got traded to Miami. I think he's kind of a winner in here. He gets out of the crowded backfield in San Francisco. However, he's also going to Miami, who had one of the worst offensive lines last year. So his upside's A little better in Miami than San Francisco on a workload basis, but he is going to be splitting carries with Jordan Howard, and I think Jordan Howard's going to be their main fantasy running back. So if you can pick him up cheap, uh, it's worth an option. If you're drafting in a redraft league, maybe maybe give him a shot. I just I don't know how much he's going to benefit and help you guys out throughout the year. Also, if you're playing Dynasty. Jameis Winston, whew, sorry, 
Jameis Winston signed in New Orleans this week. Um, he signed and he's going to be the backup to Drew Brees. Um, in a dynasty platform, definitely looking to maybe grabbing him again if he's cheap. Uh, his upside is tremendous, especially if Sean Payton can help him along the way and cut out the interceptions. So I definitely think he's worth an add if you can get him cheap and and or if he's a free agent in your league. But if you're playing redraft, stay away. He's not going to play this year and be of any value to you. So like I said, that pretty much wraps up the news and notes this week. Not much has happened post-draft here in the NFL. Um, with that, let's kind of just jump right into the uh, AFC North. This year, the AFC North, Cincinnati Bengals will start with. Not a good year last year. However, with that, they're compensated the first overall pick. There were some smoke screens that they weren't taking Joe Burrow. But let's be real. We all knew they're taking Joe Burrow. He's the greatest player in the NCAA this year. And honestly, could be one of the greatest quarterbacks coming out of the NCAA here in the past couple years. He broke three records at LSU last year. Total yards, total touchdowns, and passing touchdowns. So let's be real. The kid's a gamer. But let's break him down a little bit. He's going to be coming in again. Another team like Miami that doesn't have the greatest offensive line. They were ranked pretty low towards the bottom of uh, the rankings in the NFL last year in both pass blocking and run blocking. They were basically bottom five in both. So with that being said, I mean, how much can you really expect from the rookie quarterback? I think in a redraft league, he's not necessarily a starting quarterback for you. However, in a dynasty, snatch him. He's coming early, and he's going to be early, especially in super flex leagues. He's the first or second pick. In a one-quarterback mid-second round. But let's be real. He's worth it. He came out last year, threw for 5,600 yards, 60 touchdowns, with only six interceptions. I think he's as sure slam dunk as possible with the first pick there from Cincinnati. And he's definitely worth you guys looking into. But to help him out, they've also got Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's Going on his third year in the NFL. Threatening a holdout. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Cincinnati will pay him, especially with investing in Joe Burrow. They're going to want their all-star running back back there. Last year, he was the running back 11 in fantasy. He came on at the end of the year. He rushed for 1,137 yards and had five touchdowns. He also had added 287 receiving yards and three touchdowns. So again, eight total touchdowns. Joe Mixon is bound to have a better year this year. Joe Burrow is going to give them a more explosive passing offense. Last year, Andy Dalton and the mix of Ryan Finley and whoever else they put out there didn't really help the run game. However, Mixon still ended up over 1,000 yards. So... Now adding Burrow, yes, they might throw a little more, but I think Mixon is due to have a breakout year this year as long as he does play. 
from the running back position. After that, there's not much really to invest in Cincinnati. If you want, again, in a dynasty league, maybe look at a Giovanni Bernard in case Mixon holds out. But again, most of your rosters are small enough that he's probably going to be available in free agency come the beginning of the year if Mixon does hold out. But moving on from the running backs in Cincinnati, you go to the wide receiver position. And we all know A.J. Green. A.J. Green's been a perennial all-star wide receiver for that team. Last year, he had his injuries and didn't play. This year, he was franchise tagged by Cincinnati. To even make that situation a little murkier, they drafted T. Higgins in the second round with the 33rd pick. Very high draft capital for a rookie wide receiver. Now, this receiver is not just any receiver. He's almost an A.J. Green clone. And last year, he had a good year in Clemson. 59 receptions, 1,167 yards, and led the NCAA with 13 touchdowns. He's basically going to replace A.J. Green. If it's this year, we're not sure. He, Green is still there and will be there unless they trade him. But as a dynasty prospect, T. Higgins is worth an early second round dynasty pick, if not a late first, because he will grow with Joe Burrow and he will replace A.J. Green. He's the only one on the roster who can. Yes, they have Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Auden Tate, and say Alec Alex Erickson, who came on last year. But none of them fit the mold of A.J. Green. T. Higgins will fit the mold of A.J. Green. He's tall, he's explosive, and he's a downfield threat. Now, if you're going into a redraft league, the best receiver to go with, I think, in Cincinnati will be Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd's Mr. Consistent. He's that slot guy. He's underneath. And... Let's be real, he's targeted a lot. He had 147 targets last year, caught 90 of them, went over 1,000 yards, and had five touchdowns. He was the wide receiver 25, so he's wide receiver two steadily. Um, After that, obviously you have A.J. Green. If he's going to play, he's worth it. He's a wide receiver one. He'll be their number one target. As far as John Ross, Auden Tate, and Alex Erickson, they're kind of fades. I mean, I think John Ross has seen his time. I think they're over him. He's got his role. I don't think he's going to be that valuable to your fantasy team, however. From there, we'll move to the tight ends. With the tight ends, there's a gap to be filled. They traded Tyler Eifert this offseason. Who leads behind 436 yards and three touchdowns on 43 receptions. But he was also targeted 63 times. So this is opening up a door. And the question is, who's going to step in? Personally, it's going to be C.J. Usma. He was a tight end 41 last year. He played in games that Eifert was hurt. And he still caught 27 balls, 247 yards, and a couple touchdowns. All that exciting? No. But if you factor those totals in, on top of Eifert's totals, and the addition of Joe Burrow, 
I think Uzma could be a sleeper in a lot of leagues. He's not getting drafted high, and nor is he on most rosters in dynasty leagues. And we know how the tight end position is. Very fluid last year. You had two or three guys, and after that, it was stream the best option out there. So if you're looking for help in the tight end position, definitely reach for Usma. I think he could and could end up being a solid tight end one or tight end two this year in fantasy football. To wrap that up, I mean, Cincinnati doesn't have, I would say, the flashiest offense, but they're pretty loaded this year. I think Joe Burrow is going to bring that explosion. And you're going to have Green back and Tyler Boyd. And then the addition of T. Higgins, if he does, in fact, get on the field this year. From that, you have to remember, this is a pass-heavy offense. Last year, they threw 616 passes in comparison to 385 runs. Now, will that change with a rookie quarterback? I'm going to say... In this instance, no. I think Joe Burrow is going to come in, and Joe Burrow's comfortable throwing the football. He threw 400, or he threw, my apologies, he threw 527 attempts last year. That was more than Andy Dalton threw for this Cincinnati team. So do you, the gamble's there, but I think with their defense and their struggles on the defensive side of the ball, They will be playing from behind, and I think the offense will be throwing the football, and I think invest in the skill players around Joe Burrow. This team, if not this year, next year, will be bringing a large amount of fantasy value from their skill positions. With that, I would say... Invest in the T. Higgins. Invest in Boyd. And invest in Joe Burrow. And if you're a contender this year, go ahead. Grab Mixon or Green. As far as the long output, who knows if they'll be there next year. But that is my wrap for the Cincinnati Bengals. Alright, after wrapping up Cincinnati there, let's move on to their next orange team from the new from the AFC the Cleveland Browns the notorious Cleveland Browns guys last year they made a big splash grabbing OBJ getting all these skilled players surrounding Baker Mayfield planning on making the playoffs could they win the AFC North well that didn't happen so now Freddie Kitchens is gone. Fired. Kaboshed. From there, they've hired Kevin Stefanski over from Minnesota. And Stefanski's going to bring in Alex Van Pelt. Hashtag go Bills. Van Pelt, post-playing career here in Buffalo, has had some of the better seasons as an offensive coordinator with likes of Aaron Rodgers. Not saying that Baker Mayfield this year is going to be Aaron Rodgers of the past. But I think the combination of Stefanski and Van Pelt may help Baker Mayfield this year kind of take that next step. With that being said, obviously their quarterback 
is Baker Mayfield. From there, he was quarterback 20 last year in fantasy. The best year, not really. He had a pretty decent year for a sophomore season. Threw for 3,827 yards, 22 touchdowns. Downside, 21 interceptions. With that being said, I think the step that everybody thought he was going to take with bringing in OBJ and these skill players wasn't really there last year. Was that partially Freddie Kitchens limiting him? Or is it that Baker Mayfield may not be that good? Personally, not a huge fan of Baker. Um, Not saying he's a bad player or all, but I just don't think he's shown enough on the field for me to warrant him on a fantasy roster for my team. He's going to be on rosters, and yes, he will help rosters. So don't avoid him, but just don't overpay for Baker Mayfield. However, the players you want to own on this team are going to be the running backs this year. Stefanski's going to come over. He has had a team that's had Delvin Cook. That's what he does. He loves to run the ball. Now, is he more balanced than running? Yes. Last year, the Vikings offense had 476 running plays with four, to the 466 passing plays. So yes, 10 more plays running. So would you say he's run heavy? Yes and no. He's more of a balanced attack. But that will help Mayfield. And what it's going to help is the likes of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They're a running back by committee. Hunt was suspended for the first six games last year. And after that, he ended as a running back 53. So a little underwhelming for his standard. However, Nick Chubb, on the other hand, rushed for 1,494 yards and eight touchdowns, landing him at the running back six for the year. However, Chubb's production tailed off when Hunt showed back up. Hunt's going to steal the reception side of the ball, I think, more so than necessarily running the ball. Now, where Chubb and Hunt get drafted, for me in a redraft, they're a little overvalued. There's other players around there that I would probably go with over these two because of the running back by committee. I think Chubb may struggle to be a top 10 running back this year because I think that Kareem Hunt's going to steal more from him. And you saw that in the second half of the year last year when Hunt came back. Is Chubb a terrible running back and you should all avoid him? No. He has upside, yes. And is he going to be a good running back? Yes. He will be a running back one in every league that you play in. However, he's not my main target as far as running backs go. To me, I avoid Chubb. But with that being said, I also avoid Kareem Hunt because I think Hunt has less of an upside than Chubb in this offense because I think Nick Chubb is their main workhorse back. They're going to get the ball to him more than they will Kareem Hunt. Um, So to me, I put a kibosh on both these running backs and I'm not really looking for them. To me, when I want a running back... Most NFL running back fields now are going to the running back by committee, but in fantasy, I'm trying to find that workhorse or at least the receiving back of the, of the running back by committee 
mostly because it's PPR in most of the leagues I play. From there, we can move on to the wide receivers. In Cleveland, you have two of them, Javaris Landry and OBJ, both of which broke 1,000 yards last year. Both were within wide receiver 31 of the NFL in fantasy. Landry was higher. He was wide receiver 14. OBJ, wide receiver 31. OBJ had core muscle injuries and had a surgery this offseason. Was that affecting him? It could be. He was an OBJ that we knew in New York. Was it the offense? Did he not mesh with Baker? What was it? Only time will tell. I think with Stefanski coming over, OBJ and Landry are going to maybe see an uptick. I think that you're going to see comparable years to last year. I think that the passing offense, Baker might jump up over the 4,000 mark. So yeah, a couple hundred more yards maybe tossed in there for Landry and OBJ. But I think you're going to see what they were last year. And take that with a grain of salt. I think OBJ's overdrafted in a lot of leagues. Personally, I avoid him because of his draft capital. If he falls to you, take him. He's worth it. However, of the ones, I think I'd rather have Landry. I think Landry's the underneath target, and I just feel that Landry's going to get more targets than OBJ this year, just like he did last year. And they also brought in, in the draft, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Kid 6'2", 208. He's pretty talented. Now, they drafted him late in the draft. So who knows if they're really going to use him all that much. Um, He's more of a dynasty kind of stash-like player. Um, Because they also brought in Austin Hooper, the tight end from Atlanta. Who last year was a tight end 7 in fantasy. In Atlanta, he had 97 targets. 75 receptions. 787 yards and 6 touchdowns. Which, on the Atlanta team, he was basically their third option. And that's where I feel like he's going to fall on this team. However, also in their tight ends, they have David Njoku. Who last year wasn't really used. Only caught five balls, 41 yards, and a touchdown. However, I think that this team might go the direction of running more of a 12 personnel on the field. Because they're going to run more play action. You saw it in Minnesota in Stefanski's offense. And I think that the targets are going to be spread out. And I think that this team, to me, the receivers and the tight ends are a revolving door. And there isn't really a clear-cut number one. Like, you got Landry, OBJ, and Hooper. And they're all quality targets. But who's the main bell cow? There isn't. And that's what scares me with Cleveland's offense. Like, who do you take in a fantasy draft that's going to give you a good ceiling? Like, they're all good baseline guys. They're going to get you 800 yards. They're going to get you over that 100 fantasy point season. But... There isn't one that's going to be like a Michael Thomas or anything like that. So to me, they're just 
I don't know. I I just really am puzzled by this team as far as who you want to own on a fantasy side. And like I said, I think of anything, I'm maybe leaning towards Nick Chubb as the top guy, and then Landry and Hooper. I think that's going to be your main three targets. But, again, OBJ's OBJ. If he was hurt last year and that's what affected his production, I mean, you could see a breakout year for OBJ this year. So, like I said, I mean, wrapping up Cleveland, that's, again, I feel like they're just murky. They're not, there's no clear cut. This is the guy as far as receiving and the receiving core and the tight ends. Um, In the backfield, go with Chubb over Kareem Hunt. I think their run offense will be a lot better this year. They added Jack Coughlin and Jedrick Wills in the draft. Um, Conklin was the sixth rated uh, run blocker last year in Tennessee. So they're definitely going to get better on the ground. And I think they're going to use the ground game to help with play action and open up the field for the targets in Landry, OBJ, and Hooper. Moving on from Cleveland, let's go to a little bit of a less murky area here. The Baltimore Ravens, with the number one fantasy player at the quarterback position this year. The running back, oh, or should I say quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Remember when everybody said he should have changed to a running back? Wonder if they're biting their tongue now. Well, this kid proved everybody wrong. He's come in, and last year, threw 401 passes, completing 265 of them for 3,127 yards, 36 touchdowns, with only six interceptions. But then, tack that onto 176 rushes for 1,206 yards and seven touchdowns. He's as dynamic as dynamic comes. He's the one you want to own in a dynasty league, in a super flex league, in a redraft league. He gives you the greatest fantasy output from the quarterback position. Will he regress? Yes, it's only bound. He had 36 touchdowns. That's just nonsense. There's no way this team will reproduce the 36 passing touchdowns and seven rushing touchdowns. It's just, it's... Never, It doesn't happen. So yes, there'll be some regression, but he's still possibly quarterback one, if not quarterback two, to only Pat Mahomes. So don't skip a beat. Draft Lamar Jackson where you know you want him because he's going to go fast. Once you go from the quarterback position, this year it's going to get a little murky in the backfield. Last year, Mark Ingram, running back eight, 1,018 yards, 10 touchdowns, 247 yards on 26 receptions with five touchdowns. But they also paired Gus Edwards with him last year, who had 711 yards and two touchdowns with seven receptions for 45 yards. So with that being said, they come to the draft and the second round rolls around. And to a lot of teams' surprise, here they go. They draft J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. This kid is explosive. He will be the running back one after Ingram leaves. 
he will be a top five running back in 2021. In 2020, he will still impact this team. He will take the spot of Gus Edwards. In case you can't tell, I am high on J.K. Dobbins. If you check my Twitter, PopesFFH, you'll see my rookie rankings. J.K. Dobbins is 1-1 for me. He's on the best rushing offense in the NFL. Not only that, he's just explosive. He makes plays. He has speed. He's shifty. He catches the ball very well. And where else would you rather be than Baltimore? They run RPOs. J.K. Dobbins the best RPO player from the class this year. He fits perfectly in this Baltimore offense. And if you can, you need to get him. I've drafted him already in fantasy dra- in Dynasty League rookie drafts, and I just got him last night at 1-3. And to me, that's a steal. I think his ceiling is higher than Taylor, C-E-H, Swift. I just think that you might have to wait on him. It may be a year before you really get your bank in J.K. Dobbins. But trust me on this one. Go and get him. Get him if you can. He will be worth it. In a redraft league, he might not be. If you can get him later in the draft, give it a whirl. I don't know if he'll take over this year, but he might. Mark Ingram is 31 years old. Who knows? He might end up taking over the Gus Edwards role, and they might run with J.K. Dobbins. We'll have to wait and see how camp goes. But trust me, J.K. Dobbins is going to be a top five running back next year in 2021. From there, you go to the wide receiver position. This to me, it's murky. Do they have fantasy value? Yes. Greatly? No. I mean, their highest wide receiver had 584 yards, seven touchdowns, which was Marquise Brown. He had, that got him to a wide receiver 44 last year. He's a good wide receiver, two or three. He might bump up this year. I mean, because it's not that Lamar Jackson doesn't throw the ball. I just think all the wide receivers are a second option. This team runs through their running backs, their quarterback, and then they throw to the tight ends. However, this year they added more talent at wide receiver in the draft. They added Devin Duvernay out of Texas, 5'11", 210. They also added James Prochet, also 5'11", 201, out of Southern Methodist. Both of them, very good, sure-handed. Both speed guys. Both more so kind of play the same position. So... I think it's going to be a competition. One of them's going to be valuable. One's not. And as far as I'm concerned, they're both a dynasty stash. This year, I think the only receiver you're going to want to own is going to be Marquise Brown. And then honestly, if it was me, I'd avoid him too. I think your main target on this offense should be Jackson, Ingram, Dobbins, and then the tight ends who we're going to get to now in Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle. Mark Andrews is your main tight end. Tight end two last year in fantasy, 852 yards, 10 touchdowns. He came on and just blew away this team. He came out of nowhere to become the tight end two this year. 
However, they also traded away Hayden Hurst this year, who was also had 39 targets last year. So where are those targets going? Is that going to add to the 98 that Andrews already had? Could he see 20 more to Marquise Brown and bump him from 71 to 90? That's left up in the air. Or are those 39 targets underneath to J.K. Dobbins? That's what's going to be left to be seen. But I don't think you're going to see that much of a regression from Mark Andrews. He's the real deal. Nick Boyle, he's not going to beat out Mark Andrews. I, He's there. He's a decent option. I mean, he had 300 yards and two touchdowns, but he really he had 44 fantasy points. So to me, Boyle's just kind of keep an eye on him in case Andrews gets hurt, but otherwise just avoid him. And that's pretty that's all I got for Baltimore, honestly. I mean, like I said, just to review them. Go get Lamar Jackson, and trust me, J.K. Dobbins, 1-1, baby. He is the real deal. He will be running back top five next year. He might be running back one. Quote me on that. So moving on from Baltimore, let's move on to Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, your quarterback situation is going to go back to Ben Roethlisberger for the year of 2020. Now, this is going to be an upgrade, I think, from Mason Rudolph and Delvin Hodges and the slew of quarterbacks that they had last year due to injuries. But, again, Ben Roethlisberger, even two years ago, wasn't Ben Roethlisberger of the past. And I think that he's not really much of a viable, probably, starting quarterback in a 10- or 12-team league. But he might be with the addition of the weapons that they added this year. So I think if you're quarterback needy, he's worth a shot if he's in a free agents. Um, in a redraft league, if he falls into like the late rounds, then yeah, I would say I'd be willing to give him a chance and kind of as like a second quarterback option. I think is about as far as I would go with Big Ben this year. And as far as Dynasty goes, I would probably avoid him, like I said, unless he's on the free agent market and you really need a quarterback for probably just this year. I see him most likely retiring next year. Of course, I could be wrong. Moving forward from the quarterbacks, we can move on to their running back situation. And that's quite murky. And very fluid, just like last year. I think last year they started the year with Connor. He got injured. So then they moved on to Snell and Samuels and turned into this running back by committee. Um, And it just was very fluid. Uh, Last year, Connor ran for 464 yards, four touchdowns. Snell, 426 yards and two touchdowns. So... I feel there may be some lack, I think, of trust with Connor. I don't think that they're going to re-sign him after this year with it being his contract year. I think he's definitely their starter at this current moment. But again, he's been injured the last two years. However, another person who came on last year was Jalen Samuels. Jalen Samuels was kind of used as that off-speed pitch 
kind of a receiving back. He had the most receiving yards of the three running backs in the backfield. However, this year in the draft, they added one of my favorites, Anthony McFarlane. Anthony McFarlane's a running back on Maryland, 5'8", 208. This kid pretty much is probably the end of Samuels and pretty much Snell. Uh, last year in 2019, he had a high ankle sprain, so his stats really weren't there. He only had 614 yards, 8 touchdowns, and 126 yards through the air. But with that being said, he can catch the ball, and he does an extremely good job out of the backfield. He's a decisive runner, and he runs decent routes, and he's a good catcher of the ball as a running back. So, to me, I feel like it almost kills Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels. Samuels for sure, but Snell's kind of eh now, and... This backfield's going to be murky. They might use all four. We don't really know. However, I think McFarland's worth where he's going in the draft, like rookie drafts this year, is early third, and he's worth all of it. I'd pick him up because he may be their succession plan to James Conner. I think this kid's explosive, and I think he's going to be able to be that starting running back here in Pittsburgh once they move on from Conner this year. Next, we move on to their receivers, which also very fluid and very murky. First, they have Juju Schuster. In Schuster, last year he got injured again, had 552 yards in the games that he played. But the real question is, is he a number one? Is he not? I feel like he kind of had a very good sophomore season a decent rookie, and then now he's had a, a kind of, I would say, a disappointment of a third year, but he did get injured. But last year, Deontay Johnson came on, who caught 680 yards worth of passes from their quarterbacks and five touchdowns. So Deontay Johnson coming on may really help Schuster and it, I think it helps both of them. They're going to now have two guys. It's not just Juju anymore. Um, and I think when Antonio Brown was there, that's what helped Schuster. And by no means is Deontay Johnson Antonio Brown or Schuster Antonio Brown. But I think them together, you're going to have a one-two punch. You can't just double cover Schuster because then you're going to have Johnson on one-on-ones. So I think with that, and not only that, I mean, James Washington came on last year. He had the most receiving yards of all three of them. He had 735 yards receiving and three touchdowns on 80 targets, which was less than Deontay Johnson. So I think with these three, they have a decent receiving core. But then to add to that, they go out and they draft Chase Claypool in the second round, which is pretty good draft capital. I mean, drafting him in the second round, they're going to use him. And they already came out and said he's going to play receiver. So, and from what I've heard so far, I believe it's going to be Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool on the outside. James Washington will probably rotate in with them. And you'll probably have Schuster sling, sling back into the slot. 
which is where he had his success last year. Or two years ago, my apologies. <clears throat> but I think Chase Claypool could be the end of finding a true number one. I think that, again, this is just going to be another back, or sorry, another receiving core that kind of, there's fluidity. I think they're all good, and I think they're going to use them all. And I think, I don't know if you'll get 2,000-yard guys out of this pack, but I think you'll get at least two 800-yard, possibly 60-yard or 60-reception-type receivers. Um, so I think they're going to be viable for fantasy just because Ben Roethlisberger does like to throw the ball. Um, I think they're going to run a little more than they'll throw this year, but then again, they could with all four of these guys and then the addition of Eric Ebron at the tight end position this year in free agency. They've now got five viable receiving options. Not that Vance McDonald wasn't, but Ebron's definitely better receiving tight end than Vance McDonald. And I think there's 26 open targets from the slew of tight ends that they used last year. And I think those might end up getting split between receivers, running backs, and tight ends. But I think Ebron's not going to be by any means a tight end one in a 10 or 12 team league, but... I think he will definitely be a streamable option or a decent backup tight end if you already have a tight end and you need some depth in that position. With that being said, I think that kind of wraps up the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they, again, like I said, they're going to have viable options. But most of their positions are a little fluid and murky there with the receivers and running backs. And with that, that wraps up this first episode of Pope's Fantasy Football Hour. And I had a blast here, guys. I mean, I hope you guys had fun, too. And I hope that some of the information I gave out was helpful to you guys. And I look forward to making the next episode. I hope you guys tune in for the next episode. Uh, in between that, you can find me, guys, on Twitter. Uh, the Twitter handle is PopesFFH. Uh, I give out some advice on there. You can send me some questions. And I'll try and answer them. Uh, other than that, I mean, kill your dynasty drafts if you're out there. If not, uh, keep studying and prepare for the uh, redrafts. And most importantly, everybody stay healthy here in this time. Uh, until next time, see you guys.